I hope you are here for the optimizing EC2 for fun and profit session. Uh, yes, yeah, if not, we're closing the doors, so you're stuck. Uh, first, I want to do a little show of hands. How many people are here at their first reInvent? Oh, a lot of people, that is great. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you for surviving uh, till Wednesday. There's two more days. Uh, how many people are here for the, the hashtag big savings? Nobody likes savings? The rest of you are in big trouble. Uh, how many people are here for the new features? All right, good. Then, then you are definitely in the right place. So my name is Joshua Bergen. I am the general manager for EC2 pricing and launch services. I own the spot business and several other things inside of EC2. I'm super excited to talk about this topic. It's my, my favorite thing to talk about, at least related to work. So uh, hopefully you enjoy this. The first thing I want to go over are what we call the four pillars of optimization. There's right sizing, the purchasing options, elasticity, and a practice we call measure, monitor, and improve. What is right sizing? It's pretty simple. Right sizing is selecting the cheapest instance, and we have a lot of them, that meets your performance requirements. If you're paying for memory, RAM, or disk that you're not using, you're literally throwing money away. So this is something that as you move to the cloud, or that you're on the cloud already, you're going to continually be looking at. You can test this using on-demand, or you can test using Spot, which makes it even cheaper. So for those of you who are new to AWS, when I talk about instances, what I mean is this. We started out in 2007 with three instance types, and we now have over 70. We went from one family to seven. We've launched a lot of things in the last year, several of these just today. Our newest compute optimized instances, the C5 and M5 on the Intel Skylake Xeon processors. We have our accelerated GPU instances, G3 and P3. The P3 instance has up to eight Tesla V100 GPUs, can perform one petaflop per second, something like 125 teraflops of single precision floating point performance. That is super incredible. But if you're running like a tiny website, you're just wasting money if you're using a P3. We also introduced T2 Unlimited and our bare metal instances, i3 Metal. These are all really exciting, and they serve a lot of different use cases. So I just wanted to go over one that I think is particularly relevant to today's topic. So T2 Unlimited. T2 instances, they're low-cost, general-purpose instances. They provide a baseline of CPU with the ability to burst up. They're very cost-effective for most general-purpose workloads. Again, they provide that baseline of CPU, but they can burst up when you need it. But what's new, as of today, is what we call T2 Unlimited. This allows you to burst whenever you want for as long as you want without thinking about T2 credits and how much CPU utilization I've used. Fundamentally, the message that I'm going to keep reinforcing is, why are you paying for what you don't need? So these T2 instances are a great way to get started. They're great for your dev test workloads. I highly encourage you to check them out. The next pillar is elasticity. A lot of people think about elasticity as scaling up to meet demand. But I also want you to think about it the other way around. If you have instances that are running off hours and you're not using them, turn them off. You would be amazed how many people who've made the transition from an on-premise data center to the cloud haven't thought about how many instances they could simply shut down and save money. If you're not using the instances after 5 p.m., or maybe your developers go home at 8 or 10, simply turn those instances off. 
You can use auto scaling to automatically scale in and out of your peak demands, or you can use the scheduled scaling feature to achieve what I was just talking about. And you can use CloudFormation, CloudWatch, and again, as I mentioned, scheduled scaling. How does this kind of come together? This is this practice I talked about called measure, monitor, and improve. You're gonna tag your resources, and I'm gonna go into that in a minute. That's gonna help you identify the always-on instances that are for your non-production workloads. You're gonna to wanna to be identifying instances that you can downsize, because you're measuring how much CPU you're using, how much RAM you're using. You can use tools that we provide to recommend reserved instances to purchase. And you wanna dashboard your status. Like, how are you doing against this? Most people in here probably have a boss. Maybe a few of you are the boss. But you wanna understand, you know, what kind of savings am I achieving? And so this is a practice that you're gonna continually put into place. So the way you do this, as I said, you start with tagging. Tagging is how you explain costs and how you explain what instances are going on inside of your environment. It lets you allocate charges to the right team, and it tells you how you can save money. So what are tags? It's really simple, really powerful. So tags are what enable you to turn a random sequence of numbers into actionable information. It's metadata, it's key value pairs. You get up to 10 tags per instance, they're free. This is not like a reinvent only special. It's always been this way. So here I've given you a couple of examples where I have two different instances. And in one case, it's from a test environment. And in another case, as you see in blue, it's from a production environment. But both of these instances are owned by the same user. And they're for the same application, a website in this example. So here I can tell how many instances I have in the test environment, how many I have in a production environment, how many I have instances that are running for my website, who launched the instances. This is super powerful. And we provide, uh, as of the last few months, the ability to tag when you create the instance. So as it's launched, the tags get applied. But you can also continue to tag instances after you launch them. You can build scripts and custom hooks that look for activity on the instances and add additional tags. Super powerful. Can't stress this enough. So those are three of the pillars. The fourth pillar, as I mentioned, is the purchasing options. So what are the purchasing options? The purchasing options are a reflection of what we at AWS think of as our pricing principles. So the core pricing principle for AWS that we started with over 10 years ago is that there's no upfront investment required. You can just get started. It's radical thinking at the time, and we still think it enables lots of innovation. We also enable you to pay as you go. You can use our on-demand or spot instances with no commitment required. However, as you grow and as you become more successful and you become a bigger footprint on AWS, we give you the ability to pay less as you commit to us, to pay less as you reserve. And lastly, I think this is something that is uh, an AWS first, is you pay less when we get bigger. So we have continued to innovate on behalf of our customers. We've gotten bigger. We have more regions. We have more availability zones. We have passed that savings on to customers in the form of over 60 price cuts since 2006, and we don't plan to stop. So the purchasing options. Put simply, there are three. I mentioned them. You have on-demand, reserved, and spot. And I'm going to go into each of those in a little bit more detail. One of the innovations we released just last month was what we call per-second billing. So per-second billing means that for Linux instances that are launched, whether it's on-demand, reserved, or spot, they're billed in one-second increments. Similarly, EBS volumes. EMR clusters, AWS batch, 
Elastic GPUs, provision IOPS for EBS volumes, these are also billed in per second increments. Now one of the things to remember is if you never turn your instances off, you're not gonna save a lot of money with per second billing. I'm not encouraging you to turn instances off that people are using. I mean, you can do that, but people tend to frown on it. So what is on-demand? On-demand is very simple. It's the thing we started with. It's low cost, it's flexible. You can start up using the command line, the console. This is great for development and testing. This is what you're gonna be using for your short-term spiky or your unpredictable workloads if they can't be interrupted. Uh, this is pretty much all there is to on-demand. Then we have reserve pricing. So reserve pricing is really powerful, especially around the discount. This gives you the ability to save up to 75% off the on-demand price. It's perfect for your steady state and your committed usage. Those instances that are on 24 by seven, your databases, your backend servers, SAP, CRM, Exchange, we have one and three year terms. Reserved instances are a super powerful way to save money. One of the things we've heard from customers over the years is that they would appreciate additional flexibility to go along with that discount. So over the past year, we've added a consistent set of features uh, at a consistent clip to improve the flexibility and the savings that you get with reserved instances. The first is that you can use RIs regionally. That means that the discount applies to all of your usage for a certain instance type across a region. But you can also continue to get a capacity reservation if you use that reserved instance in a specific availability zone. Second, we introduced what we call convertible RIs. So this allows you to change the instance family, the operating system, move from dedicated to shared tenancy, or change your upfront payment options. And just in the last month, we went from only three-year convertible RIs to offering a one-year convertible RI. And the last is what we call payment flexibility. So depending on how your organization bills and handles uh, payments, you can choose to pay all of your RI commitment upfront, you can do partial upfront, or no upfront. So there's a lot of flexibility here. Now, with that flexibility, some people have said to us, they spend a bunch of time analyzing their EC2 usage to figure out how many RIs they need to buy, how, many, uh, how can they optimize their cost. So just last week, we released this really powerful tool that I wanna share with you. This is called Reserved Instance Recommendations, and it's part of the Cost Explorer tool in our console. So now customers can quickly and easily get RI purchase recommendations based on their hourly EC2 usage and their own desired RI purchasing decisions. So I think this is really amazing, and I really wanted to make sure that I spent some time on it here. So over here you see on the right, there are a bunch of options. All those things I talked about in the last two slides, one-year and three-year commitment, standard and convertible RIs, different payment options. You can also look at your usage differently. You know, maybe you have a very cyclical usage that kind of goes in peaks and valleys on a seven-day basis, or a 30-day basis, or a 90-day basis. You can change these options, and it will change the recommendations we make for you. So I'm gonna give you one example. Let's say I don't like standard RIs, I like convertible RIs because I always like to upgrade to the newest instance whenever it comes out. So right now you can see there's about you know, four million in estimated savings if I followed through with all these purchase recommendations. I'm gonna change that to convertible RIs. And as you can see, convertible RIs are slightly more expensive than standard RIs for that extra flexibility. So I can play with these to my heart's content. It's entirely personalized based on your EC2 usage. 
So you can say this is a really great slide, but I don't believe anything that you say. So we give you the ability to actually look at the underlying usage that we used to create this recommendation. So you simply click this button, boom, up pops the underlying usage based on the filters that you chose that is how we made that recommendation. So what you can see here is that over the past 30 days, this person had kind of peaks and valleys in their usage. So I'm not gonna recommend 100% RI coverage because they'd be overpaying. Your usage might vary, but this is a really powerful tool. If you like these recommendations and you're like, this is perfect, I love it. You can simply go back here, go to the RI purchase console, and then follow through with those recommendations. So uh, highly recommend everybody check this out. It's super easy to use. All you have to do is go to the Cost Explorer section of the AWS console and select Recommendations from the navigation menu. So this is generally available today. It was actually available last week. We think the customers will really like this. Obviously, it's new. If you have feedback, please make sure to give it to us. So this is how you use reserved instances and how you make decisions. You can save lots of money. I said 75% off the on-demand price. What if you say that's great, but I can't make a one or a three-year commitment and I still want to save money? The third purchasing model is something we call EC2 Spot. This is near and dear to my heart. It's actually the, the product I manage, the team. So what is Spot? Put simply, it is spare EC2 capacity that we give to you at savings of up to 90% off the on-demand price. It's capacity that AWS can reclaim with a two-minute notification, and people use this to turbo boost their results. This was super radical thinking when we introduced it in 2011, and it continues to be the deepest discount in the entire industry. People are using Spot for a breadth of fault-tolerant workloads such as big data, continuous integration and continuous delivery, batch workloads, stateless web applications, and more. Spot isn't limited to a specific industry. We have startups, media and entertainment companies, scientific research institutions, governments. Everybody's using Spot to turbo boost their results. This is really the kind of thing that the cloud enables. Another benefit from Spot, and specifically from AWS, is that Spot is everywhere you need it to be. Remember all those instances that I talked about earlier? Talked about regions and availability zones? We have the broadest instance support in the industry. We don't limit where you can use Spot. So I mentioned T2, you can use Spot on T2. I mentioned those, I didn't mention, the uh, FPGA instances, field programmable gate arrays. You can use Spot on that. C5, M5, X1, H1. All the instances you've heard about today, you've heard about in the last year, Spot is on all of them. Spot is also everywhere that you operate. Some of you might be in our Virginia region. It's great, Spot is there. Spot's in our Ohio region. We're in the Frankfurt region, we're in Dublin. We are in every public region, including, as of last week, the China region. So this is a big deal. Being in every public region means that there's uh, nobody who can't benefit from Spot. Now probably there's like at least one person in this crowd who's gonna say, wait, what about GovCloud? Coming soon. And uh, so, uh, just relax. GovCloud people, like very intense. Uh, so, another thing that has happened is people say, this is, this is great, Spot is super useful, but I use EC2 with a variety of different frameworks. I don't actually you know, run the instance directly from the API. We heard you. So over the last couple of years, we have integrated Spot with nearly every popular framework or service that people use to provision EC2 capacity. So that includes auto-scaling, that includes our Elastic Container Service, 
It includes CloudFormation, that's the CFN up here. It includes AWS Batch, which has a great spot integration. It includes ELB. Just last week, we released an integration that allows you to auto-attach instances behind an ELB for Spot. EMR, if you're doing Hadoop Spark workloads, Spot is incredibly popular there. I encourage you to check out the Instance Fleets feature. But those are AWS services. I don't want to force you to use an AWS service. So we've continued to integrate Spot with other popular applications provided by third party including Jenkins. There is a Spot Fleet plugin available in their marketplace. It's open source. You're welcome to fix the bugs. Uh, there's, there's like one or two pull requests. It's fine. Uh, Bamboo, if anybody uses Atlassian Bamboo for continuous integration, we released a plugin for that. These are downloadable right now. And then lastly, uh, if you're not using CloudFormation, if you're using Terraform, we worked with HashiCorp to release a Spot Fleet integration just a few months ago. People really love it. Makes it really easy to provision spot instances the same way that you provision on-demand instances. And then lastly, uh, Kubernetes. A lot of container fans out there. Yes, no? Nobody's heard of these things, right? Uh, containers. So uh, besides ECS, like I said, we work with third parties. So in Kubernetes, native, in mainstream, is already a spot fleet integration. You can go check it out. You can use it today. What I'm here to announce today, though, is that the popular COPS framework is working on a spot integration as we speak. Again, since this is open source, you can go check out the branch right now if you are an early adopter. But by the end of the month, it will be automatically included in the next revision of Kubernetes. We're super excited about that, and we really like the partnership with the open source community. Once again, you are free to you know, submit pull requests, and we will fix things. And then lastly is Spot Fleet. So Spot Fleet is super simple. It's an automated management environment for Spot instances. You simply tell Spot Fleet how much capacity you need, and Spot Fleet does the rest. Actually, inside of things like EMR and Batch and our Kubernetes integration and ECS, those are all using Spot Fleet under the hood. But if you like to build your own provisioning framework, we want to continue to give you the primitives that make that possible. So you're all probably saying right now, I can tell, like, this is great, this is awesome, I'm gonna leave, Spot is super awesome. Uh, but we wanted to say, you know, how do we make it even easier for people to use Spot instances? They came out in 2011, these things seem great. So these are the things we are announcing today. This is like the big money slide. So the biggest thing is predictable prices and pause and resume. So I'm gonna go into what I mean by that. So uh, previously, people have spent a bunch of time thinking about Spot as a market and thinking about how you have to bid to get the capacity. Uh, we have eliminated all that. If you have a PhD student kind of writing their thesis on Spot bidding, they can go work on something else now. Uh, it's a true story. Sorry. Uh, not that sorry. Uh, so low predictable prices. Why does this matter? So there are often two different kinds of people in organizations. You have your finance people and budget control, and then you have your developers. Now you can consistently offer a budget or a range of what the prices of the spot instance is going to be, and you never have to face those price spikes if you were using spot before, where they could kind of fluctuate on a minute-by-minute -minute basis. Now prices are low and predictable. They still move slowly over time based on supply and demand, but they're going to continue to offer the same savings that they do now, of an average of 70 to 90% off the on-demand price with no commitment. So this is super powerful. The next is we've eliminated the need to bid. As I mentioned, when the pricing gets this consistent, 
you don't need to think about bidding or think about spot as a market. You can just think, I want a lot of capacity. I'm going to get it at a big savings. Now I can stop thinking about this and go on to thinking about how to build my application. The next thing is no need to learn new APIs. Now, I know we love to introduce new APIs with lots of parameters and flags that are named really strangely. But we wanted to make it easy for you to launch a spot instance as it is to launch an on-demand instance. So if you are using the Run Instances API, which is the core EC2 API to launch an on-demand or reserved instance, you can now add the market parameter and launch a spot instance. And you will get a synchronous response. So if we have the capacity, you get it. If we don't, you get a reply. So this is a huge change. If you have any application framework where you are provisioning EC2 instances and you're expecting a synchronous response, spot instances now work exactly the same way. And they have exactly the same features as on-demand instances, including tag on create, the ability to attach elastic GPUs, EBS encryption, all the other features that you expect to see with on-demand instances are now available with spot. So I think that's really cool. Makes it applicable to a lot more applications and means less work for you. And the last, this is really exciting, is the ability to pause and resume your spot instance when we need to interrupt it using two different features, one of which we announced today. The first is a feature we call Stop Start. If you're familiar with the Stop API for On Demand, it works exactly the same way here, except it's handled automatically for you. When we need to interrupt your spot instance for EC2 capacity reasons, if you have specified stop as the behavior, we uh, stop your instance, persist it on an EBS volume, and then when capacity is available, it automatically picks up from that state. That can save you 10, 15, 20 minutes of instance warm-up time and getting your application into a good state. But we decided to go one step further, and we introduced the Hibernate feature as of today. So Hibernate works just like closing and opening your laptop lid. So if you have an application that does maintain some state and you want to use Spot, if you select the Hibernate option, when there's an instance termination notification, we will intercept that. We will hibernate your instance, again, just like closing your laptop lid, persisting it to an EBS volume. And then when there is capacity available, it will literally start up right from where it left off. So, I think that's super amazing. I think it opens spot to a number of workloads that weren't possible for today. And it continue to get the same kind of cost savings that aren't possible anywhere else without breaking a sweat. So I've been talking here, I think, for you know, 15, 20 minutes. It's great. You don't have to believe me about this. You guys are all customers or prospective customers. So I want to show you some of the examples of what people are doing with Spot. So we have Zillow. They wrote this amazing blog on how they're saving 50 to 75% overall on their EMR jobs, their Hadoop workloads using Spot. Lyft, anybody use Lyft out there? It's great, Lyft is an awesome AWS customer. They're saving $15,000 a day with four line code change using Spot for their continuous integration and continuous delivery. $15,000 a day, it's a lot of money. And they're burning through it. Yelp. Anybody big Yelper? I like Yelp. Uh, so they have this continuous execution engine that they built themselves. Remember I mentioned that we like to give people primitives so they can build their own frameworks. So they have this one called Seagull and another one called Pasta. So they run uh, their uh, continuous 
execution engine and web services platform on spot. Probably 80-90% of the workloads running on spot. Another great customer of ours is Mapbox, which is an API uh, provider for a lot of popular mapping applications. So they uh, use SpotFleet and ECS to serve tens of billions of API requests every day. You know, they're able to do that because they're containerized, they're stateless, they serve these requests in 10, 50, 100 milliseconds. So that two-minute notification I mentioned earlier, it's really not a big deal for them. Another amazing one was Clemson University. So they spun up a 1.1 million vCPU cluster in a single weekend to do natural language processing and then spun it completely back down. They didn't even talk to us. I mean, they did, but like they didn't talk to us that weekend. Like that's super powerful. Where else can you get 1.1 million vCPUs with basically no advance notice and then shut it down two days later? That, that is, rivals the largest supercomputer in the world and that's running on our spare capacity. In fact, uh, anybody watch movies? No? This is, this is the worst crowd ever. And uh, <laughs> so, one of the interesting things we've seen with Spot, and we've talked about it at previous reInvents, uh, Disney talked about it, FuseFX, which does amazing visual effects for uh, you know, TV shows like The Tick, they're using Spot to kind of render their images. And the cool thing about that is that it's uh, changed the way they think from their fixed on-premise grid and allowed them to move at what we call the speed of thought. So, you know, they started using Spot just to do a little burst overflow. You know, like, hey, my fixed grid is full, need a little bit of extra capacity. But then once you realize that you can get 4,000 instances for the price of 400 either on-demand instances or on-prem instances, and you don't need to make a commitment, you start thinking, what can I do with that? You know, if I was gonna run one treatment for a specific scene, what if I ran three or four or five? Or what if I got my work done faster and back to the client? So you're winning more work and you're getting results done faster with Spot. In fact, people like Spot so much that AWS customers are using more compute on Spot than they were using on all of EC2 in 2012. So that gives you an idea of like the size and breadth of the workloads. So now you're thinking, I've gone through Spot, I've gone through On Demand, I've gone through RI, how do I pick one of these for my workload? I want to tell you that's the wrong question to ask. It would be like picking one book and only reading that book for the rest of your life. Or one movie and never watching any other movie. Or maybe one friend, you know, and one family member, someone says, who's your favorite family member? You're like, trick question. But if you have a favorite family member, that is Spot. Uh, <laughs> and uh, no, you can't pick just one. Right? This is the message of today's session. If you want to optimize EC2, you need to combine all three options. You need to use your reserved instances with that 75% off. Use those for your known steady state workloads. You're going to scale up using Spot, On Demand, or maybe both, depending on your kind of work. And you're gonna use an AWS service, one of those ones that I mentioned, or maybe a third party, to make this easy for you. Auto-scaling, spot fleet, ECS. Anybody attend the keynote and hear about EKS, the new managed Kubernetes service? So that's another thing in preview right now, but when it goes generally available, we'll also have spot integration. You can use Deadline, which is a product from an AWS subsidiary called Thinkbox, if you're doing image rendering. You can use AWS Batch, 
You can use CloudFormation. All of these things make this really easy. So with that, I want to go through a couple common use cases for how, how you do this and what it might look like in your environment. There are probably 50 or different, uh, 60 different kinds of use cases, but I'm going to just go over a few, and hopefully they resonate with the other kinds of things that are similar. The first one is what I call a web application. You can think of this as any three-tier application, web application, API tier, anything that has kind of a stateless front end. So you might not look exactly like this, but in this example, I've got DNS routing up front. I've got an elastic load balancer distributing traffic between several different nodes, maybe across multiple availability zones. Maybe I'm using auto scaling or spot fleet to distribute across those availability zones. That's my stateless front, front end tier. Then in the middle, maybe I have an application tier that's stateful. It, you know, it has a cache that's refreshed every six hours or so. On the back end, I have my database. Maybe I'm running RDS, I'm running Dynamo, you know, it, I'm running MySQL, it could be anything. Maybe I'm storing files in S3. So your application might not look exactly like this, but hopefully there's something here that makes sense to you. So remember I mentioned that web tier? It's stateless. You're treating your instances as cattle, not pets. So when one comes and goes, it doesn't really matter to your users. If you're serving a request in 100 milliseconds or 150 milliseconds, that two-minute notification that I mentioned for Spot is a really long time. But before I get to that, if you have baseline load for your web tier and it never falls below something, you're going to purchase RIs for that. No orchestration overhead. Just make your life easy. Purchase a baseline of RIs. Now, you don't need to guesstimate your peak load. You can scale up using Spot. And again, Spot is so inexpensive, you can actually follow some of our best practices like overscaling or scaling in advance. There was a study that Amazon.com, our retail parent company, did a few years back that said for every second of additional latency that a web user faces, it added up to something like a billion dollars in lost revenue per year. So think about that. If you only needed 100 instances, but you could get 200 for the price of 120 and leave that running all the time, even in advance of when you actually needed the 200, that's a pretty good ROI, right? You can give all of your users better response time all of the time and then already be scaled before the scaling event happens. Maybe you need to add in a little bit of on-demand at the end here to handle the last bit of peak. So this is an incredibly low total cost of ownership using Spot for your stateless applications. Now I mentioned an app tier. This is the tier in the middle. Maybe it's stateful, but it still scales up and down based on your usage growth. Again, if you have a baseline of usage, I really want to recommend purchasing RIs, one-year, three-year RIs, whatever works for you. I mentioned this was stateful, so maybe those interruptions are somewhat painful for me. So in this case, my cache needs to stay up for six hours at a time, maybe 12 hours at a time, to kind of give faster response to the front-end web tier. I'm going to run that on on-demand. Maybe I fill in the last little bit with, with spot because those peaks last for a very short period of time, and I know those instances are going to come back down. You know, overall here, you could save 30 to 50% by using on-demand and spot kind of in a combined way with RIs. Lastly is your database tier. Now, you see this graph where my requests go up and down? I'm only going to say this one time. You do not run your database on spot. If you do, I will not answer your trouble ticket. 
It will just directly into the trash. So you run them using reserved instances, right? This is super obvious, but it sometimes trips people up. Uh, it's stateful. Data corruption is super painful. These databases don't get turned off. They really have no business running anywhere except an RI, unless you're doing some initial testing and then you're going to run it on on-demand. But one of the cool things is, and I've seen this pattern now increasingly, what about those end-of-the-month reporting jobs or end-of-the-week or end-of-the-quarter? You can take a snapshot of your database. We have a bunch of tools that make that pretty easy. Sorry. Uh, you can take a snapshot of your database, run your ETL jobs for you know, a, uh, a day, run your reports on the weekend or at the end of the month or at the end of the quarter, and then turn that snapshot off. You don't have to run a hot standby all the time if you only really need it for reporting at the end of the week or the end of the month. So even with no inherent discount, on-demand is going to provide you a lot of cost savings if you're only spinning it up once a week, once a month, once a quarter. I've actually seen people put this into practice in really interesting ways with Spot. So let's say you have a report that you only run once a quarter. Maybe it's for some kind of compliance, like a third-party regulator. You only run it once a quarter because you have to kick everybody else off. It's really expensive to run. No other jobs can run at the same time. So what we've seen some people do is start spinning up Spot instances to run that report because it was really expensive. But they were still running it once a quarter. Then what somebody figured out is, this is, this is really cheap. And you know, this data is kind of useful. I mean, I know it's a third-party compliance report, but if I'm only spending one cent a core hour, I'm getting a 10,000 core data center for 100 bucks an hour, why, why don't I try running this report once a week? Why don't I try running this report every day and give the traders on the floor actionable intelligence from a report that I would normally only run once a quarter? Sure, it's kind of painful if that report gets interrupted, but before, they were only getting it once a quarter. Now they're getting it every day or every other day. So there are really innovative ways you can use on-demand and spot, even on your database workloads. But again, please, core database, RIs. So here's a summary. You might look different than this, but overall, across all three of these tiers, this particular application, and these are taken from real customers, they're 76% RIs. That's a fairly high degree of optimization. If you know what your baseline usage is and you're saving up to 75% and not really having any orchestration overhead, then they're using a mix of spot and on-demand to serve those peaks and spikes in traffic. So this is, a, this is really great. This person is super well optimized. But the last thing I want to ask you is, do you really need to run an instance? Do you really need to run a server? This quote is uh, from our CTO. No server is easier to manage than no server. You can use SQS. You can use Lambda. You can use SES instead of running your own mail server. So you kind of want to ask yourself, is this something I want to manage and maintain? Do I need it up 24-7? Does it really just happen a few hours at a time? You can use a managed service to provide that for you. So that is my web app. Now another broad area that we see a lot of optimization opportunity is what we call grid processing. So grid processing is very broad. It can cover anything from uh, Hadoop, batch processing, schedulers. Uh, but they all share kind of a common framework. So up, up in front, I have a bunch of different files that they can be stored anywhere. Uh, then I have my grid of computers, in this case, my EC2 instances. They're the ones doing all the processing on these files. Maybe I have to use a POSIX-compliant file system. So I'm using EFS, or I'm using Lustre 
or one of the third parties that provides these scale-out file systems on AWS, uh, or I can attach EBS volumes. Then at the end, I kind of put all the work back together. Maybe I store it on S3 or on that same file system I mentioned. So this is a super broad area, covers everything, like I said, from HPC to Hadoop to batch to rendering. They all kind of share this framework. So how did we do this before the cloud? Before the cloud, you had to predict what your usage was going to be. You had to buy servers. Sometimes they might take three months to get through the whole purchasing process and get provisioned. Then you have to deploy the server in advance of that peak demand. So this is a practice you put in place. If you do this, your server utilization rates are typically low, right? Because the demand ebbs and it flows, but you have to buy all the capacity for that peak demand, and then you have to keep the capacity because you purchased it. So in reality, I have never seen this graph. I have seen this graph. <laughs> this, is the, this is the real world, right? You buy for the peak demand that you know of your profitable lines of your business, kind of your baseline, something that has high ROI, might get new capacity. Things that are experiments or that aren't that important, they don't get capacity. So you get high utilization, but you see those peaks that I cut off? Those are project delays. So there is a hidden cost, longer queue wait times and delayed results. It's sad. You could do this in the cloud though, right? I mentioned three-year RIs. It's very similar to the practice of buying capacity, provisioning it in advance. This is super simple. I'm not gonna discourage you from doing it. But again, I don't see this in practice because of that high utilization goal. So speaking of goals, the old way there is a set of conflicting goals between IT and users. You're trying to get grid utilization to be 100% most of the time. So your grid utilization looks great. You are crushing it. Wait, hold on. See this blue graph? See all those numbers on the left? Every job in the queue is business impact. You have users that are stopped. They're slowed down. Things are on fire. You're getting emails. You're really sad, right? I don't, I don't want this to be you. I don't want this to be your users. You don't have to do this in the cloud. So high utilization, what's the message? It reduces your IT spending, but it constrains the business. All right, this is the promise of the cloud, and I'm gonna tell you how to achieve both goals. Scalability when needed. You're gonna have access to higher capacity when needed. You're gonna accelerate those projects. You're gonna invest in new demands for computing. You're gonna allow your people to be innovative without costing you an arm and a leg. Scale higher, reduce your time to results, less waiting, more agility. This all sounds great, right? This is what it looks like in practice for a grid. So you buy your three-year RIs as you know that the demand kind of consistently grows over time. Again, there's no orchestration overhead with RIs except figuring out what your usage is. Then you're gonna layer in on-demand for your stateful workflows where interruption is maybe super painful, something like Cassandra. But then all of those users, remember those people in the queue, you know, those thousand jobs in the queue that have been sitting there? What if they've been sitting there for a week or a month? That's a pretty common scenario. What if someone comes to you with an experiment that needs 20 times the amount of compute that you have? You're not gonna say yes to that. Now you can. You can say yes with Spot. Even if it takes a little bit of effort, you would be surprised how high the ROI is for an engineer to make their code fault tolerant so they can use Spot when it means getting 10,000 cores 
for 100 bucks an hour. So this is what we see a lot, right? You see all those new types of computing? That's enabled with Spot. Once again, you don't have to believe me. I like these customer quotes because hopefully they represent the way you think about things. This quote speaks to how the cloud's flexibility is enabling freedom of thought to transform into action. So when you're leveraging the cloud effectively, mixing and matching the purchasing options, you're no longer constrained by your infrastructure. You don't have to question your ability to solve the hardest challenges. This is what I want you to kind of take away from this presentation. So there's a lot of you out there. There's even an overflow room. Everybody want to turn and wave to the overflow room? No, don't turn away. Just kidding. Uh, thank you. So I want to give you a couple of examples of how these optimization patterns look by industry. I know there's a lot of different people out there. So this is ad tech, web scale. These companies are doing real-time bidding. They're dynamically buying and selling ads per impression. They're doing 10, 50 billion impressions per day. They're serving these requests in 50 milliseconds or 100 milliseconds. These people have low margins. They make super heavy use of spot, and they're highly fault tolerant. So what we see here is a base of RIs, a little bit of on-demand, and a lot of spot. What if you're an enterprise software as a solutions company? Maybe you built a monolithic application five or 10 years ago. You're trying to move to the cloud, but you're not going to re-architect everything from the get-go. So you're going to be using a mixture of RIs for your steady-state workflow, you know, the customers that have committed to you for one or three years. You're using on-demand for development and testing and new proof of concepts. But then over time, and again, these are real customer graphs. Over time, as you re-architect your application and move it to a microservices framework or maybe containers, you're going to start using Spot more. As you do more data analytics in the cloud, you're going to start using more Spot. Before coming back to Amazon, I worked at a gaming company. And this is a pattern that uh, I actually took from them. So what you see here is this is a gaming company uh, you know, creating, building, launching fantastic experiences for gamers. Maybe there's a long session time, so an interruption isn't really great. So what you see here is the baseline of RIs that serves the consistent usage they see over time, but then when they release a new game or maybe a you know, downloadable content for an existing game, you see this huge surge in traffic. And it's hard to predict, is that traffic going to consistently stay there afterward, or is it going to shrink? So here we see a couple of peaks and valleys where the you know, downloadable content went out, people downloaded it, they played the game for a little while, and then it kind of faded away back to the old baseline. Uh, these people apparently aren't doing any analytics, which is why there's no spot. So, Another one is what I call an onboarding enterprise. Maybe you're a new startup. Maybe you're a company getting used to the cloud. You start with on-demand. As I mentioned earlier, there's one slide on on-demand. There's really not a lot to think about. So you fire up an on-demand instance, figure out how to use AWS. Maybe you're using a little bit of spot for your dev test workloads, your continuous integration. Over time, as you get more comfortable, you move more to the cloud, somebody makes an RI purchase. That's what you see here in the blue. And then over time, you keep optimizing. You say, why am I running so much on demand if I'm running it all the time? You make another RI purchase. Somebody comes in and says, I want to try like a new experiment. I want to do more data analytics. They start using Spot. And then next is something, uh, a graph that is a, I want to spend a little bit of time explaining. It, it looks like this customer only uses Spot with a tiny bit of RIs, but really it's the scale that misleads. So this is a customer who has a baseline of RIs. Maybe they have a 10,000 core kind of fixed grid. That's how many RIs they've purchased. So they're humming along all day, just using that many RIs. 
Then they have a new experiment that comes out. Maybe they are Fermi or Brookhaven analyzing data from the Large Hadron Collider to study the origins of the universe, and they want to spin up 50,000 cores, 100,000 cores. Maybe they're Clemson spinning up 1.1 million vCPUs. So then you see these massive spikes that dwarf their existing footprint, and then they come back down and move on with their life. This is only possible in the cloud. So what you see over time is this pattern where people figure this out, and all those experiments where you said no to them before because the ROI wasn't certain, now you can say yes to them. Let's say you work at a big multinational corporation, you know, 10,000, 50,000 people, lots of different business units. You're going to see a usage pattern that looks a lot like this. It's big centralized purchasing, figuring out your RIs. You're using on-demand to test new things. You're using spot for analytics or electronic design automation. You know, it just kind of grows steadily over time. If you, uh, if you think about this, though, even though you work at maybe one of these companies in one of these different industries, you might have a different function inside each of those companies. So this is what we actually see inside of an average company. The usage of each purchasing model and how they're blended together depends on the function of the job. If you're in the data science team, you can make heavy use of spot, make less use of RIs, maybe less use of on-demand. If you're creating a new application, you just want your instance to run, maybe you're not concerned about savings yet because it's one instance or two instances, you're using on-demand. But if you are this person and your on-demand usage kind of skyrockets because maybe your new application is successful, somebody from finance is going to come along and say, we need to purchase some RIs for this, or how about using some spot? If you are the internal IT department and you're running Exchange or SAP or another kind of CRM application, you're going to make heavy use of RI, you're going to make some use of on-demand as you test out AWS, and then maybe a little bit of use of spot. And then lastly, if you're doing test and development, CICD, Jenkins, Bamboo, uh, other kinds of you know, internal frameworks, you're going to make super heavy use of spot. You have these short-lived workflows, the interruption tolerant. They're really ready-made for spot. So I want you to think about you know, what kind of company am I in? What kind of function am I in? How do I think about optimization based on what are the workflows that I need to support? What are the applications? So with that, I want to pull a few of these things together. So what are the best practices? Those pillars I mentioned, remember the four pillars? It's not, not a test. The bullets are up here. Right-sizing. So right-sizing is picking the right instance. Don't pay for what you are not using. Turn things off if you are not using them. I, I know this sounds super obvious, but when you're coming from the on-prem world, there isn't as much reason to turn things off. Measure, monitor, and improve. That's that continuous practice that you're putting into place. You're using tagging. Those tags to understand your service, they are super critical. They are free. Architecting your workloads with performance and cost in mind. The more advanced you get, the more you are able to think about, can I spread my work across more servers? Can I make it more fault tolerant? Can I move to containers? Can I, do I really need you know, 64 vCPUs? And in some cases, yes. In other cases, you don't. And the last is optimizing across all three of the purchasing options. Right, so this is how you're going to pull it all together. You're going to follow these best practices. So hopefully you took a, a screenshot of this, and you're going to print it in your cube. right? So what, is it, what happens? You do all that. You put it together. Why do I care? Like, why are you in this session? Why am I talking about this? 
I want you to build free from constraints. Remember those slides I showed earlier? I don't want you to be constrained by your IT infrastructure, and I don't want you to constrain your users. I want you to get real value from your data. So time is money. It matters when you get the results. A month from now is not as good as a week from now is not as good as a day from now. I want you to think, how creative could I be if I had more capacity than I knew what to do with? I want to accelerate your innovation. I only want you constrained by the speed of your thought. Our CEO is fond of saying that invention requires two things, lots of experimentation and not having to live with the collateral damage of your failures. And that's kind of the whole point of this. That's why we have spot. That's why we have on demand. That's why putting them together is so powerful. And I really believe that on AWS, you can both be more innovative and more cost effective than anywhere else by pulling all of this together. So if you're like, I'm jazzed, I'm super pumped right now. Maybe it's just adrenaline. Maybe it's you guys. So you're thinking like, I'm ready. If, if you're not ready to like type commands right now, if you are, you can, you know, that's great. We have a bunch of sessions that go into more detail about everything that I've talked about here. So later tonight, we have one on running production workloads on spot. Uh, if you are talking about test and development workloads, these two are super powerful. Tomorrow we have a customer, FINRA, which is a heavy spot user to talk about their data lake and doing next generation analytics in the cloud. These guys have really thought through all of these concepts and put them into practice. And then the last is if you were so excited by this session that you want to come again, uh, or tell your friends that it was so awesome, uh, I am repeating this session. The last thing, of course, is just, you know, I have to show my own instances here, right? You can go to the console right now. You can launch a spot instance, save 90% off. So with that in mind, again, most of you, I think there was a majority of you, you're here for your first reInvent. I wanted to sincerely thank you all for coming. We hold this conference for our customers. I learn a lot more from you guys than you learn from me. This is my fourth reInvent. It gets bigger and better every year. Uh, I'm amazed by the breadth of questions that we get the different kinds of workloads, the different kind of customers. We live and breathe this every day, but we've often said, and it really is true, that 90% of the features that we release are driven by customer requests. So uh, besides the 10 minutes I have for questions now, I want to encourage you to keep coming to our summits, coming to reInvent, sending us feature requests, because we will build them. So thank you very much, and please remember to complete your evaluations. <laughs>